being able to tap into just live sorts and, and pulling that into an OTT experience that connects to your phone that you can pull up on the go as well um, is, is certainly something that I think is is the reason for all this this happening, and it's a great thing. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. Coming up on the show this week, Nick Cicero. He is the founder and CEO of Del Mondo. They are a social media analytics company doing some great stuff with video. He's got a great story for how they started the company. Their clients include the Miami Dolphins, NASCAR. They do a lot of stuff with Facebook for live video analytics. You're going to want to listen to this conversation. I've said for years that TV and radio, the analytics and the measuring tools are completely outdated. They don't work. What Del Mondo does to do the analytics around digital and social media is phenomenal. And you're going to want to learn more about Del Mondo coming up on our show today. I'm joined in studio, though, by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And it is a great interview. Lots of cool insight. And just the change of times is crazy. It's like almost every hour there's something new coming out. So it's pretty exciting. Well, and we saw just in the last week. So Major League Baseball and Facebook struck a deal for one broadcast a week on Facebook for 25 weeks. So uh, and then you've got Major League Soccer and Twitter announced they've reached a three-year content deal. So, Griggs, you know, we've talked about this on this show for years where we've got the broadcast partners for these leagues. But now these digital rights deals with the Facebooks, with the Twitters, we saw NFL do Thursday Night Football on Amazon. These are becoming a huge part of reaching the millennials, the younger consumers who only consume on mobile devices, whether it's their phone or their iPad. This is where it's all going, and that's why I'm excited about this interview this week with Nick. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's exciting just because it's like you flip up Facebook, which we have open all day long pretty much, everybody, and you can watch a game. It's cool. I mean, I watched the Amazon with the NFL, and Twitter did some games uh, last season, too. It's it's just cool to have it, you know, wherever you are, here's your phone, you're watching an NFL game. It's pretty cool. And the NCAA tournament is upon us. Right. Lots of people are going to consume digitally for that. They'll watch on their computer. They'll watch on their mobile device. They'll watch on their laptop or iPad. The numbers for digital consumption for the NCAA tournament go up every year. Let's talk about the NCAA tournament for a minute, Griggs. The selection show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Okay, so it moved from CBS to TBS for the first time. So right there, I know most people have cable. Most people have access to TBS. But the numbers shrink when you go from the network where everyone has CBS to cable where yeah. not as many people have TBS. The other thing is this is year one of this happening. So a lot of people turn on CBS on Selection Sunday, and they're like, wait a minute, where's the selection show? And they don't know where to find it, even though everyone tried to do a good job promoting the fact that it was moving from CBS to TBS. But Griggs, what a train wreck the selection <laughs> show was. Let me give you some reasons why, and if you watched it, 
these reasons are going to resonate with you. So first of all, you tune, it comes on. Let, let's start with this. Let's start with the fact that Get Hard with Will Ferrell and, uh, it, it, that was the lead in, okay? And let's just say there were some inappropriate moments in the last five minutes of that movie. So if your kid is like, hey, I'm excited to watch the selection show and they're watching with you, Get Hard is probably not the movie that you want as the lead-in to the NCAA tournament selection show. So let's start there. Inappropriate, right? Now the the tournament selection show comes on. Griggs, it was like a bad science fiction movie as far as the audio is concerned. So Ernie Johnson and Greg Gumbel are in this huge airplane-like hangar studio in Atlanta, and the sound is not in sync at all. So it's like a five, ten second delay between lips moving and the audio that's coming out. And you're like, wait a minute. Terrible. Is this my TV? Does anyone know this is going on? How can this be happening? And you get onto Twitter and everyone sees this like I do. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a big problem with the debut of TBS doing the selection show. So you've got audio feed problems. Then one of the parts of the show that people like is let's see the camera on the teams that get in. Right. And let's see the camera on the teams that don't get in. And let's see what their reaction is. So they go to these teams and it's like a 20 second delay. <laughs> it's like you're watching, you're watching, you're watching. <laughs> Wait for it. Where's the reaction? You're watching. You're, oh, there it is. <laughs> and it was totally out of sync. So audio problems, huge satellite delay and the reaction with the team getting in or not getting in, okay? The NCAA grossed over a billion dollars, Griggs, for the first time in 2017. A billion dollars. Not a million dollars. A billion dollars. The sponsor mentions on the selection show were obscene, okay? (laughs) Let's pretend, if you're the NCAA, if you're TBS, let's pretend that this is still amateur athletics and not give you things like, this bracket is brought to you by Capital One. Now the Midwest bracket is brought to you by Coca-Cola. Oh, and by the way, we're back from commercial with Ernie Johnson, and he's chowing down on some pizza from Pizza Hut. (laughs) And we've got a studio audience, and everyone in the audience is going to get some pizza from Pizza Hut. The sponsor mentions were over the top. Okay, And again, you're trying to Say, this is amateur athletics. We can't pay the student-athletes. We don't have the money to do that. (laughs) And you juxtapose that with the NCAA just made a billion dollars in revenue for the first time in 2017. And you've got sponsors galore that are being mentioned during the selection show. It it made me sick to my stomach, to be honest with you. Um they revealed the teams in alphabetical order this year for the first time, Greg. So here's the automatic qualifiers, and we're going to reveal those in alphabetical order. Then here's the at-large qualifiers, and we're going to reveal those in alphabetical order. And by the way, they screwed up on some of the alphabetical order. <laughs> some of the teams that had university in their name were, like, <laughs> not in the U's. They were in, like, the N's and vice versa. Oh, like, it, it was... It was such a train wreck. And then a studio audience for the show. I mean, really? Do you really need a studio (laughs) audience for the... So this is the example, Griggs, of you had a good thing going. It was on CBS. 
People, when they watch this, here's what they want, okay? They want the bracket reveal. They want to see what are the seeds, what are the matchups, what are the times and the dates of the games. Give me that. They want to see the reactions of the teams that made it and didn't make it. They want to debate from the talking heads about who should have made it in, who didn't make it in, why this happened, what the selection committee was thinking, and then help me fill out my bracket. Most people watching this are going to do a bracket, so give me some experts who are going to say, here's the 12 that's going to beat the 5. Here's the, you know, like give me some upsets, give me some winners. That's what they want when they watch the selection show. They don't need Ernie Johnson eating Pizza Hut. <laughs> they don't need... You know, the audio feed problems. They don't need a studio audience. This was overthought. They messed with a good thing. It'll be interesting to see, do they go back to CBS? Do they go back to what the formula was at work for all so many years? But, Greg, this is the perfect example of overthinking something and ruining something that was good. And making it look like a bad SNL skit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, it's. I agree with you. It's a, it's a, it was a pretty good system, and it always looked good and did a good job on CBS. And just having them in the studio doing their thing and going to the feeds. And that, like you said, you want to see the team reactions. You want to know who's in the bracket, when they're playing the games, and there you go. In and out. Why do we need all the studio honesties? Why do we need the hangar, the air? Why did they choose that location, too? It's like, where did that come from? Well, I mean, look, TBS, TNT, they're based in Atlanta. Yeah. And they have some great facilities. But, you know, they've always done this out of New York. Yeah. It's been... Fine. I think people, you know, one of the complaints was that people want to see the brackets revealed earlier. Like, if it's a two-hour selection show, don't make me wait 90 minutes in to see what the brackets are. Like, give me the brackets at the Mm -hmm. beginning, reveal them, and then give me some winners. Tell me why this team made it in. Like, USC didn't make it in, and they were, you know, they went far in the Pac-12 tournament, and uh, Arizona State, who finished eighth, in the conference, they made it in. Yeah. Why did that happen? Why did St. Mary's, who won 28 games and beat Gonzaga, why did they not make it in? Like, I, I tweeted, I can't think of a time where a team has won 28 games and didn't make it into the tournament. Right. Why? You know, and then they bring on the, the athletic director from Creighton, who <laughs> is the head of the selection committee, and they, you know, basically come on and say, explain yourself. And... <laughs> The audio problems, he, he sounded like someone tweeted out like he sounded like he was on a Zulu Klingon ship. Like, it, it was, the audio was horrible. It sounded uh, like you, I mean, for the people who don't know Zulu Klingons, sounded like he was underwater. Yeah. And you're like, really? Like, this dude is going to tell us why the selection committee made the decisions they did. This is probably the one interview that you actually want to hear during right. the selection show. And it sounds like the guy's underwater. And the sad thing about social media now is, like, as this is going on, people are, like, posting videos of the audio problems and of Ernie Johnson uh, eating Pizza Hut pizza, and they're ripping on this whole thing. Like, some people are like, this is the worst selection show I've ever seen. And, you know, whether it's the Oscars or something like this, you can rip on things in real time in the tidal wave of negativity can ramp up, and before you know it, you're like, oh... Everyone's going to remember this selection show as the worst one that we've ever done for the comedy of errors with the audio for, you know, the selection committee head who was talking and it sounded like he was underwater for the sponsors that were mentioned every 15 seconds. Like, 
I don't need to know that the Midwest region is brought to you by Coca-Cola. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I don't need that. Like, find another way to integrate the sponsors without having them sponsor a region. All I want at the end of the day is give me the matchups, give me the brackets, tell me who's going to win, tell me who's going to lose, tell me who didn't get in and why. And really, that's all I need. And by the way, get to the brackets right away. Like, I don't need this whole reveal in alphabetical order. Like, I think that made it more confusing for people this year, Griggs, because you're like, wait, USC didn't make it in. Now, are they under Southern Cal? Are they under (laughs) University of Southern Cal? Is USC University of Southern California or University of South Carolina? Like, there's all these who's on first scenarios that are going on, and it just was made more confusing by the way they did this show. Yes, I agree. I think I think the biggest thing is get the brackets out first, like you said, because that's, that's why we're tuning in. We want to see who is where, get us the brackets, and then make your next hour and a half of interviews and figuring out who's going to win, you know, the insights from the, the from the guys that know what they're talking about and all that. And I, I do like the team reactions too, but I get the brackets right off the top. I mean, we're all waiting for it, get it to it, get it, give them to us, and then let's talk about it. Now, here's the thing I also tweeted out, and we've talked about this in recent weeks on Sports Business Radio. The FBI investigation that's underway in college basketball. Rick Pitino is already a casualty of this. He will not be the only casualty. Okay, Sean Miller, according to ESPN, caught on tape, wiretap, saying that they paid their center $100,000. Sean Miller in Arizona has vehemently denied that this happened the player has vehemently denied that he received payment. Someone's lying. Either Sean Miller is lying or ESPN is lying. We're going to find out eventually. Either those tapes exist and they're going to be produced and you're going to go, oh, there's Sean Miller on tape, or they're not going to be produced and he's going to have quite a lawsuit against ESPN. But where's the bracket of how many of the coaches in this tournament are coaching their final NCAA tournament? Because this FBI investigation is going to reveal that they were cheating as well. And that they're just like Rick Pitino, potentially like Sean Miller. And I've said this before. There's going to be some big names that fall. So when you watch this tournament and think of the top 20 programs, many of those coaches may be coaching in their last NCAA tournament. You didn't probably think last year would be Rick Pitino's last NCAA tournament for Louisville. You thought he's an iconic coach, and yes, he's had some problems, but we're not going to see the end of him this soon. I think there are some coaches in this tournament, and I mean big names, Griggs, that are coaching in their final tournament. So I got to tell you, like we had Mark Emmert at our road show in December. Nice enough guy, but... I've had, I can't think of a year where I've had less interest in the NCAA tournament. I haven't followed college basketball that closely this mm-hmm. year. I'm just not into it. I may not do a bracket for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to pay attention because of this show. But as far as just like sitting down for my own personal enjoyment and watching March Madness, this selection show left a bad taste in my mouth. The fact that the NCAA grossed a billion dollars last year. The fact that they have sponsors all over this thing. The fact that student-athletes, yes, they get scholarships, but this is a multi-billion dollar business now, and the student-athletes aren't getting paid. They're not getting even close to their share of what they deserve, at least the college and the football players. And 
I just I'm kind of sour on the whole deal with uh, college sports right now with at least college football and basketball. No, I agree. It's it's funny you said that too because I'm the same way. It's like I love hoops, but it's like this year I feel like I'm just not quite into it this year. And you're right. I mean, it's just like it's a broken system. It's a flawed system, and there's so many allegations and all this coach stuff coming out. And it's like you've lost the whole point of the game and, and just watching basketball. There's so many other backstories that are just kind of killing the whole mood for it. I agree. I guess what it comes down to for me is this. For so long, the NCAA has tried to talk about the purity, the student-athletes. It's just, it's a farce. It's a farce. It's not pure. I've seen it with my own two eyes that it's not pure. The money is ridiculous around college basketball and college football, and it increases every year. And the student-athletes, what they're getting in exchange for what? the NCAA and the conferences and the TV partners are getting, it's not even near being equal. So you add all those things up and it's just, it's left a a bad taste in my mouth. So I'll tell you something that didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth is watching Tiger Woods this weekend, Griggs. Correct. Tiger Woods, and you can say what you want about Tiger and his off the course happenings and you know, I'm not going to disagree with anyone who doesn't like Tiger Woods or still not like Tiger Woods because of what happened in his off-the-course life. But here's the fact. When Tiger Woods is in the mix at a golf tournament, people turn on the TV. I can't tell you the last time. Well, I guess a few weeks ago I heard Phil was in the mix and I turned it on and saw Phil win in a playoff with Justin Thomas. Okay. Yesterday, I'm out paddleboarding. I stand up paddleboard. And I'm out and I hear Tiger is one shot off the lead. And you knew starting the day, like, Tiger was one shot off the lead. So you're like, is he going to collapse or is he going to make this thing close? And, you know, so I get off the paddleboard. I get on Twitter. And I'm like, wow, Tiger's got a shot at this thing. Then I go home. I turn on the TV and he drains like a, you know, 43-foot putt on 17. And you're like, wow, he's got a real shot at this thing. He's one back going into 18 and it's that drama and Twitter's lighting up and Tiger moves the needle he's say what you want he's in his 40s but he is still one of those superstar athletes that when he's doing something it's like you know when Mark McGuire used to come to bat or when LeBron is at the free throw line or Steph Curry's going off and hitting nine three-pointers he's one of those athletes Tiger is that you stop what you're doing you get to the TV and you go, I got to watch this. And that's where we were yesterday. And if Tiger and Phil are in the mix in Augusta, in the Masters next month, wow. Those are going to be big numbers. But how cool is it for not only golf, but for sports in general, if Tiger Woods is truly back? And, you know, is he going to win a bunch of tournaments this year? Probably not. Is he going to win a major? Probably not. But he's competing. He's in the final group or the final two groups. And when he's competing, Griggs, people are tuning in. Yeah, I agree. And it's he's still got like like you're saying, he's draining this he chipped in on whatever hole it was I was watching and then yep. the forty three foot putt and it's like this is the tiger. It was the magic Yeah. Again. It's like I mean, and that's where you have to keep tuning in. If he's in the mix, you're like, he's gonna do something crazy, he's gonna make some crazy shot. And uh, and then same deal with Phil. I mean, he's shooting from the pine trees on the far side and he rolls it on the green. I mean right. we've all seen his master shot and everything else. It's like when these guys are in it, it's it's such a, a compelling T V, I love it. 
Well, and I'm in my 40s now, so I'm like, hey, these dudes are in their 40s. They're competing against, you know, right. the 20-somethings, Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas and uh, Dustin Johnson, and they're they're holding their own. Yeah. So, like, from a 40-something, I'm like, this is really cool. Uh, Paul Casey, by the way, who's 40, won this tournament this weekend. So that's something that's really interesting about golf is because of the equipment, and because it's technology, like you wouldn't see this in other sports. Rarely would you see like a 40 something being able to compete on the same level as a 20 something. But in golf, you see it. Yeah. And you're seeing when you go into a tournament, like Phil and Tiger can go out there and they can be in that last group. They can actually win a tournament against the 20 somethings. And I think that makes golf more interesting to watch versus Hey, there's a 45-year-old playing in the NBA and he's going up against, you know, a 20-year-old Anthony Davis or 24-year-old Anthony Davis, he's going to get crushed. Like, I feel bad for that dude. That's not the same in golf. You're right. I mean, and that's what makes it so fun is you've got such a wide range of players that can in any given weekend can compete and uh, and win tournaments and or not win tournaments. So it's it's fun and you you and me both like watching golf. This time of year it's fun cuz you got you got Augusta coming in a couple weeks and the the big majors. So it's uh, it's always fun to see and I love that Tiger and Phil are in it. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I know you've had no time to think about this, neither have I. <laughs> But give me your, uh, who's gonna win the NCAA tournament? We, we both just said we may not even watch very much of it, but who do you have winning? Oh, that's a good, I haven't even thought about it. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think Gonzaga's got a chance to go far again, cause they're always solid. Uh, but I just don't even know. I don't even know who's gonna be my final four. Kansas, maybe again. Kentucky, Duke. I mean, why don't you just pick every team <laughs> yeah, here, dude? Right. I mean, you're really hedging uh, your back. Wait, uh, the uh, southern region of the University of... No, I don't know. Brought to you by Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. I don't know. Do you have picks? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. So we've seen North Carolina in the last two years. They got to the final and they lost. They came back and they played Gonzaga and they won. So yeah. they made it two years in a row. I kind of have this feeling that that's going to be Gonzaga. So Gonzaga lost in the final last year to right. North Carolina. I think they've got that eye of the tiger. Mm-hmm. I actually think they're in a decent region. Xavier is the number one seed in their region, and I think they can beat Xavier. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with Gonzaga because I think cool. they're going to get back there, and I think they win it this time. Virginia is impressive. Yeah, I was going to say I mean, Virginia. Virginia, the fact that no team has scored 70 points against Virginia the entire year. Like, you probably couldn't name one player on the Virginia team right. if you're not a University of Virginia student. But their defense is ridiculous. So they're going to be in most every ball game. Like, if they lose, they're not going to get blown out unless they just have a miserable shooting day because their defense is really good. They're holding teams to 40 or 50 points. So I think Virginia is uh, pretty good. But what's going to be really interesting to me is this. So I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but the center for Arizona who's been under investigation, he's probably the best player in this tournament. He's probably the number one pick in the NBA draft. So when you have the best player, you have a decent chance. But if someone like Arizona, if someone like Michigan State, who and, and I've said this before, I think this is Izzo's last ride. Yeah. I think when this tournament's done... I do not think you will see him coaching Michigan State next year for a variety of reasons, whether it's the Dr. Nassar or it's the FBI investigation. Does someone like that make it in? And Griggs, are we taking down their banner a year from now? 
Louisville just got stripped, right? Yeah. So are we taking down the banner of the team that wins it this year in a year after the FBI investigation? That, to me, is going to be one of the more compelling parts of this tournament. Because the last thing the NCAA wants is a team that wins, and then you're taking the banner down a a year later, learning that this was all done illegally. So, uh, But I'm going to go with Gonzaga. I think Mark Few finds a way to get them back there. Again, I think they, you know, tasted it last year. They were close. They get back this year, and I, I think they cut down the nets. So uh, we'll see what happens. Coming up next, Nick Cicero. He is the founder and CEO of Del Mondo. We will talk with him. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Nick Cicero. He is the founder and CEO of Del Mondo. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Cicero. You can find Del Mondo on Twitter at Del Mondo. You can find them online at delmondo.com. Nick, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really re- great to be here. Really excited to have you. Uh, you guys are also going to be sponsoring our networking lunch at the upcoming Sports PR Summit on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York. So very excited about that. Thank you for that. Let's discuss Del Mondo. You guys are doing some really unique, interesting things. Tell us what Del Mondo is and how you started this company. Let's start there. Yeah, sure. So Delmondo is a video analytics, audience insights, and sponsorship software. Uh, so I started the company back in 2014, and we really had created the first analytics for Snapchat. And as we grew and expanded, we ended up uh, getting uh, approached by Facebook and created the first insights for Facebook Live, and including real-time analytics for that. Uh, but today, really focus on all of the social and digital video platforms that are that are out there today. So Facebook and Instagram and Instagram Stories and YouTube and Snapchat and Twitch, uh, but also first-party players as well. So we help measure all of your, your different audiences consuming different content types uh, and make it really, really interesting and easy to categorize all of that data and then turn that into dollars. Uh, so we have a media monetization platform as well that helps a lot of really great sports teams and leagues actually monetize their social channels for different brand partners and, and sponsors and things like that. Nick, before we get into more on Del Mondo and some of the clients you work with, what's your background? I think our listeners would find that interesting. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, I went to college for music and uh, <laughs> I was a music major. 
and uh, I was, uh, and I still do play uh, jazz trumpet. And nice. That's kind of my, uh, I, I love playing. I play quite a bit. And I started a company when I was 17, producing uh, music and meeting people on the internet. So this was pre-Facebook and using like forums and message boards and writing, you know, jingles, little uh, different scores for, you know, different TV shows. Yeah, I wrote music for Dog the Bounty Hunter. I did commercials for the New York Giants uh, and started to really get into this whole world of kind of commercial music production. And then when I went to college, uh, obviously I had access to the internet 24-7 and was able to then connect more and more people. And, and this is really where I taught myself how to code and ended up getting into things like making MySpace backgrounds and, and flashy headers for different people. Uh, and that kind of grew into you know what was yeah, at that time, as I left undergrad, social media was starting to become a, like a, a discipline. And you could tell for me, it was just digital. It was like, oh, using doing stuff on the Internet and digital marketing. But then I think that you know, after I went to Syracuse for grad school, there was much more of a discipline starting to emerge around you know, the social channels. Um, so I always had a side business myself, kind of working with musicians and artists. And, and leveraging my knowledge of, of digital platforms and, and then being able to kind of branch out. Uh, I work day job, full-time job in different ad agencies and a few tech companies, and as I'll talk about in a second, but I always have this, this connection with different, different artists and, and musicians and celebrities that I was helping to create content for. You know, Thomas Jones, uh, NFL running back, I you know, did a lot, of, a lot of things with him, helped get him up and running on his social platforms when he first started uh, musicians like Kendrick Lamar, I opened his Instagram channel for him before his debut album launch. Wow, that's big. So working, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. So doing these different types of things, and then also working with brands, kind of in the ad agency side, I kind of saw the the crossover. Um, then you know, a lot of people said that I should go to San Francisco because I was very techy, so to speak, and uh, I got a job at Livefire, and I was really fortunate to work at Livefire early on. Uh, implementing a lot of uh, commenting and engagement strategies with sports publishers, uh, primarily uh, Sports Illustrated, um, did a lot with, with timing and Sports Illustrated, in implementing different uh, real-time commenting or social curated feeds. Uh, we're talking like 2013, 2014, we were curating some of the very first Facebook open graph uh, searches and, and pulling them into different web experiences um, and building actually in different uh, environments for branded content. So one of the things that I worked on at Livefire with uh, Sports Illustrated was Go RVing Tailgate Tour, where they took uh, an RV around to different different cities, hosted tailgate tours for different college football games, and then obviously you know it was a, a branded activation, but it included a lot of you know on-site uh, experiential that was then captured and turned into video, and we kind of curated it into a hub. And you know my role in that was. You know, our technology at LiveFire was obviously bringing in articles and comments from the Sports Illustrated site that were related to this activation, um, the branded articles that they were creating for GoRVing, and then all of the social elements. This is early curated photo walls and tweets. I know this sounds like, you know, kind of commonplace today, but in, in 2013, that was somewhat of a new concept, being able to curate and aggregate these types of things, visualize social data, um, being able to show which cities were hotter than others for people that were talking about the tailgate tour, for example. Um, so that's kind of really where I got a taste of 
of being able to build technology that could help media companies, especially build uh, uh, products that could actually um, you know, make a lot more money other than your traditional, hey, I'm a, I'm a sports media company and I'm trying to create an article or a video and throw an ad before it or, or on, on the side of it. Very interesting. So who does Del Mondo work with now and, and how would you say you help your clients? Yeah, so Del Mondo works with some of today's leading sports and media companies. So we work with a lot, number of different companies uh, across the board. So media companies like ABC News, uh, Viacom, uh, but in the sports space especially, we have companies like Red Bull, the NCAA, NASCAR, Miami Dolphins. We recently added uh, Fox Sports and Eleven Sports, so we're excited about working with those. Um, and so for for our customers, especially in the sports space, it's two sides. There's the content creation, video creation, fan engagement element. So uh, teams are looking to create and produce and activate their fans across a number of different platforms, figuring out what are the you know the best platforms to to engage on and have really robust insights on on all the social channels. Uh, being able to automate the categorization and tagging of that content and being able to see you know, basically why or which one of a, which one of a team's, uh, different, different players or different video series might be trending versus another to produce better content to activate their fans. And then the other side is the sales and the partnership team. So they are going in and actually building out, uh, both, uh, upfront reports to pitch and win business by helping to, to really segment their audiences and be able to show different partners who the different fans are inside of, uh, of an ecosystem like sort of like a NASCAR or Dolphins, and then go out and actually produce the content, close the deals, um, and actually then measure the value and create really great campaign reports inside of our platform too. Uh, so a perfect example is somebody like the Miami Dolphins. Right? So the Miami Dolphins have uh, 10 to 12 different video franchises that they've created. Uh, different series like Q&A or Quick Hits or the Dolphins Daily, they all have really different types of, of audiences that they serve, but they all go on in the same social channels or on their website. And what Del Mondo enables them to do is, you know, really two or three key things. So the first is it allows them to automate automatically report on those different content series anywhere that they're produced. So we bring in all of the episodes of Dolphins Daily, whether they're on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter or on their own website, into one place so they can see just how that series is performing. And we let them see the audience of who's actually watching that. And we create these really great audience models uh, from actually first-party data that's coming in from the social platforms and their websites to be able to show um, how that's over-indexing versus their overall audience. Uh, so for the Dolphins, for example, Dolphins Daily, when they came in at the beginning of the season, they knew that, that Dolphins Daily is, is a show that's focused on more of their hardcore news fan. And what we were able to do is run our technology over all of the episodes uh, everywhere that they lived on their social and digital properties and bring back and really create the actual series report and show how well that particular content series did and who that audience was and found that younger females, 18 to 24, were highly over-indexing in terms of consumption. Now, this is something that you know they weren't really able to see before from all of these desperate data, data sets they were able to pull in every single day. And they're actually able to go in and then say, okay, great, well, we know that Dolphins Daily delivers an average of X amount of views per episode with an average watch time of this, and they actually go out and sell that to a sponsor. 
and put a valuation to that and then come back in and then basically create that report uh, for that sponsor. So Dolphins Daily, they might sell you know, a couple different, uh, couple different packages or over the course of the season to multiple different advertisers in just one video series. And then they create the report and it allows them to actually include the budget for that and it breaks out like a, a cost per view or a, a cost per uh, thousand, however you wanna kind of set that up and actually establishes your rate card at the end of the season. So it's a really great kind of complete cycle from activating and building the fans and the value on the social platforms and then being able to, to value and measure that and, and show the uh, the results for your advertisers all the way through. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I would imagine, I mean, I work with a lot of teams and different brands. Have we moved to the area yet where people are using firms like yours? Because it seems like a lot of people are creating content, but they're not doing the analytics around it that they should using a company like Del Mondo. Are you finding that or are more and more people really getting those deep analytics like you can provide? You know, it's really it, it's really a balance today. I think that that first in, in general, more companies, teams, and uh, are getting better about using the the data that is available to them in a lot of different areas. So, sports tech, I think, is is something that is is emerging more and more. You know, from every area, whether it's from you know player and and, and being able to understand how well your players are performing on the field to how well your fans are engaging off. So, I do think that there's this like general in my opinion, like a good renaissance of data that's now starting to happen in the sports industry. That is, there's a trickle-down effect in, in all areas. Um, but in terms of the content side, I think that th- there's two parts. I think, one, we're skewing towards more people uh, kind of marrying data and their creative. But I do think that there are elements that, that, that still make it hard to have it be truly hand-in-hand in real time. Uh, there are certainly aspects that can help inform your creative strategy uh, a ton, but I still think that, that uh, there's a little bit more art to the idea of telling a story about your brand and about your team and about your players, and the data can help inform maybe where and how to tell a story, but there is some, some gut creativity that still needs to, to happen, and that's kind of why we see a lot of uh, a lot of video or social or creative teams kind of separate maybe from some of their data teams and, and insights teams and some of these organizations. Although what we're trying to do is really open up those insights so all of the teams are working on that exact same set of data that everybody can see in real time to be able to use all of that together. Um, so I think that we definitely have have more trends towards those teams kind of converging and meeting more often and, and sharing those insights on a more proactive basis. Um, but I still think that there's a long way to go, absolutely, and and we're going to see that improve. Uh, more and more companies are turning to like advanced AI and machine learning to help automate the process. So, you know, we always say that the the hardest part of the battle is getting through the meat grinder. So, 80% of your time spent in a week as an analyst sometimes is collecting all of this data, uh, rather than trying to like share insights with all of these different teams. And so the better that we can get about being able to automate those uh, collection of data, categorization of the social and video content and, you know, and what are those different types of elements that are, are performing uh, and overperforming relative to, you know, the larger scope of things. I think that the more time that we can give back to those teams to actually work together. We'll return to our conversation after a word from our sponsor. 
Reserve your spot for the 2018 Sports PR Summit presented by the Players' Tribune on Tuesday, May 22nd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The Sports PR Summit brings together elite athletes, national media members, and senior PR and social media executives for panel discussions, featured conversations, and networking opportunities. The event allows PR execs to lead with a better understanding of the elite athletes, owners, commissioners, and national media people they're working with. The event also allows attendees to see Derek Jeter's one-of-a-kind digital publishing company, The Players' Tribune, up close, as well as network with top Players' Tribune executives. Passports PR Summit speakers include NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, NFL stars Anquan Bolden and Demarcus Ware, Cleveland Cavaliers all-star Isaiah Thomas, WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, ESPN reporters Tom Rinaldi and Jeremy Schapp, and Sports Illustrated executive editor and 60 Minutes correspondent John Wartime. The Sports PR Summit has sold out each of its first five years, and there are only 125 spots. Reserve your spot today by going online to sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York City. Now back to our conversation. Nick, a term that I'm hearing more and more, and I've certainly heard it from you as well, audience parting. What is audience parting, and, and why are you so bullish on audience parting? Yeah, that's definitely uh, that's definitely a great question. I'm, I'm really really bullish on audience parting. So this is something that I've been talking about since 2015, and actually one of our investors, uh, Jesse Redness, who's now at Turner, um, he and I kind of really have been working on this this idea for a number of years now. So if you think about it, uh, people have been buying and selling television advertising pretty much based on the same old process of day parting. So you target the audience that you think that you want to reach based on Nielsen numbers. Uh, so if you want to reach seniors, maybe you try daytime television or the price is right. Or if you want to target high school kids, you're going to go Nickelodeon after school. Uh, we, don't know, we didn't know, really know much about the audience, but we knew that we had some general place, time, and, and household information about that. Now, when you actually get all of that money that is TV-type dollars moving into the digital space, and it started in social, and now it's even emerging in the OTT and connected television space as well, we know far more about the behaviors and content consumption habits and things about these consumers than ever before. And so instead of just kind of doing that spray-and-pay model of being able to just hit all of the people in a potential DMA at a potential time, we can actually get a little bit more personalized and, and extremely personalized. And being able to take that and, and bring that idea to the creative video advertising uh, space is something that you know audience parting parting can do. So technically, the definition that I've written up, and, and I'm sure we can share a link to that, it's really the concept of combining psychographic and consumption data to build a hyper-targeted audience pool. So this is different than addressable advertising because it takes more data into account. And in particular, and in the case of Del Mondo, it's social data. So unlike day parting, which really looked at a small section of data around those viewers, audience parting combines billions of data points being collected by platforms like Del Mondo on social platforms with kind of survey level data from a Nielsen and then set top box data from the MVPDs or from collected from subscriber information from your OTT 
uh, user base. And being able to then apply all of these really great insights around who the person is, what they're watching, when they're watching it, how long they're watching it for, and the different actions that they can take really allows you to build a new type of view and new type of audience segments. Um, so one of the big things that we've actually built at Del Mondo is this idea of advanced tagging and automation that actually allows people to, to segment those audiences. So as I mentioned in the Dolphins example, what we're able to do is take the, take the, the, the content that they're producing, really turn it into uh, their own Netflix, if you, if you want to think of it. Dolphins are producing a number of different series, many different episodes, different themes that resonate in those. Um, they often have larger events that naturally will carry over multiple different series that might be happening with the team. But essentially, it's a library of these different franchises. And so not only can they actually go in and, and create content that better resonates with the different audiences inside of there, but then they can also tap those different insights and sell those too. So for their partners, not only can they say, oh, great, well, you can you know reach somebody, you can reach somebody with the Dolphins Daily that is interested in you know Dolphins News, but with our insights, you can say you can reach Dolphins Daily that reaches women 18 to 24 who are interested in homes and, and beauty and healthcare and, and other interest segments that we're able to kind of generate with the platform to be able to say, here's a much more robust look at this person. And then I can actually go and reach them with that, that really robust enhanced data. And that kind of works all across the board, whether that's distributing your own content or then obviously you know, buying or selling against those insights. You guys have a great partnership with Facebook for live video analytics. How did that partnership come about? Because that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, we're super, super proud of our relationship with, with Facebook. You know, we're one of their media solutions partners and uh, worked with them to really create the first uh, real-time analytics solution for Facebook live videos. Uh, so how that came about was kind of a funny story. Uh, I was introduced, you know, one of our investors is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. I'm sure everybody's, you know, probably yep. people that are listening, have, I'm sure have seen his, his stuff in your feed by now. He definitely uh, gets, gets his face out there and his content is everywhere. Uh, he introduced, uh, he and our, our investors introduced me to the Roker Media folks. And uh, Gary, Al Roker, and I went on a Facebook live stream. We're talking about some of the great insights that Del Mondo is providing and some live analytics that we've been building on another platform called YouNow. And, uh, and Katie Richmond, who is, is part of the Facebook media partnerships team, saw the, saw the live stream and reached out and said that they loved what we had been talking about and what we're doing. Um, we had some really great clients, and they'd love to, to talk with us about building some live insights. And so we worked with them over the summer to create some really, really awesome, robust real-time insights. This is back in, you know, the, the spring of 2016 and uh, launched them in the fall. And so what we have is, a, is really, really great real-time, second-by-second insights around viewership, engagement, reaction data that allows you to automatically pull out different segments based on who's watching inside of the video and, and what are they watching. Uh, and then also chunk out different segments. So if you're running ads in the middle for mid-roll ads or ad breaks, uh, or if you're doing branded content, or even if you're doing engaging elements like putting polls up on your videos, we're able to actually detect and break out all of those different uh, attributes of the video on top of just who's measuring in real time. And we do that uh, <clears throat> in a really great way where we also provide uh, the ability for you to see these insights. So you can actually watch uh, let's say if you're one of our partners that might be streaming a full-length sports event, 
you know, they can actually watch the viewership as it, as it happens throughout the entire broadcast uh, and potentially feed those insights back to the production team to impact uh, what happens on the live broadcast uh, as well. And so we do a lot of other cool things like detect the logos and the objects and, and be able to surface those as well. Um, but it's a really great solution, and, and it also provides um, 100% of the actual viewers watching the video. And we include what you would call like TV-type metrics, like average minute audience, engagements per second. And you're able to roll that up across all of your different pages. Um, so we have a lot of really great broadcasters, uh, sports, you know, sports partners, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, they're streaming a ton of content now on Facebook and, and more and more live video than ever before. And, and you know, I think Facebook just announced a, a great partnership with the MLB where they're going to stream a ton of games. And so there's, there's amazing audiences that are, that are on live, uh, live video everywhere right now, of course, but live sports we know are, are, are highly valuable. Uh, and we're seeing those numbers as well reflected uh, when people are tuning into Facebook to watch sports. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Major League Baseball deal with Facebook. They're going to broadcast one national game a week exclusively on their platform for 25 weeks. And then Major League Soccer and Twitter reached a three-year content agreement this week, too. So just in the last week, we're seeing Twitter and Facebook do major deals with major uh, leagues What's the future of live video and sports? Because I've been saying for a long time, and I'm not the only one who's saying it, but on this show we've discussed how the millennials are consuming on their mobile devices. And we're going to get to a point where instead of ESPN and TNT and Fox and NBC doing these big uh, rights deals, you're going to see more and more people consuming on digital, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever it may be. And it seems like, gosh, that's becoming more and more mainstream. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think that we're going to see only more of that. And we have Amazon had a great year doing Thursday night football. Right. Uh, You know, Twitch has just recently signed on some other sports partners as well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of sports out there, right? There, you know, Eleven Sports, who's one of our partners, they're streaming the NBA G League and and uh, on other channels as well. I think they're doing that on Facebook too. So you have all these great sports that are out there, and you have a lot of rights that are out there, and and it's a, it's something that people want to tune into, and it's very passionate and, and it's fan driven. And I think that that live sports play really well with social, as we've seen, because they do foster strong communities. And, uh, you know, live video is really engaging and it's in the moment. So social media, and and we've said for a while that, like, social media has has been a really great companion to television and and especially a great fan of sports. And so being able to combine those two and put them in the exact same place I think you're going to be able to tap into a lot of those audiences that, like you said, they're not tuned in. Um, and also just realistically, aside from the fact that, that television in general is, is on the decline, you know, the windows in which you're able to serve sports content to people on television is somewhat limited, right? The, the, the hours in a day that the typical person has to consume content on a, on a larger screen, on a television screen, um, that they might tune into a channel. Uh, while it may be more valuable, and, and certainly plenty of studies will, will show that you know people are, are watching when they're t- tuning in to a game on a television, for example, but there's only so many windows that you have in, over the course of a week. 
And so by being able to do this, you know, other companies can actually tap into these Windows mobile viewership that happen 24 hours a day in all markets. And so that, I think, is what the real beauty of live sports and, and social platforms, but you know, being able to tap into just live sports and, and pulling that into an OTT experience that connects to your phone that you can pull up on the go as well um, is, is certainly something that I think is is the reason for all this this happening. And it's a great thing for you know, the sports industry in general, because it gives you the ability to, once again, go back to that audience parting and figure out, you know, when are my fans most active? When are they talking or when are they interested in watching you know, different matchups and to be able to program against that for you know, the most optimal viewership. Um, so I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, and as I mentioned before, I do think that, that it's a, it's a battle of like scale and ownership. So I think that, Scale is something that these platforms can provide and new exposure to audiences. And then more and more, we're going to see companies building their own environments to then try to capture that long-term subscriber, get that data, that first-party data, to be able to then reapply that back to the social world. So it's a great cycle, in my opinion. Well, Nick, I think you're sitting on a gold mine with Del Mondo. I've said for years, like with TV and radio, the way that Nielsen or other companies, Arbitron, measure TV and radio is so archaic. And the thing that I think Del Mondo does better than anyone is you guys are able to give, I mean, you've already cited them in this interview, the analytics you are able to provide for your digital clients is off the charts. So the fact that people can get that kind of analytics, and like you said earlier with the Dolphins example, you can tell like, hey, women are watching this show that the Dolphins are putting out every day. You can monetize that. You can get sponsors that are geared towards women. People crave the analytics, and I don't think TV and radio, and I've been doing this for a long time, have provided the analytics that you're able to provide for the digital platform. So I, I think you're on to something big. I'm so excited that you guys are a partner on Sports PR Summit. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join us this week on Sports Business Radio. Nick Cicero, you can find him on Twitter at Nick Cicero. You can find Del Mondo on Twitter at Del Mondo. And you can find them online at DelMondo.com. And Nick, I may ask you, I don't know if you'll do this, but I may ask you to play jazz trumpet at the networking launch at Sports PR Summit. Do you think you would do that? <laughs> I think that uh, I'm kidding. I think we'll see. It's not, that, it's not the first time that I've done it at a conference. But uh, you, know, you never know. You never know. Hey, that make some, you like, memorable, right? You have some jazz. People yeah, would be sure like somebody else. I bet you if we we ran a survey of uh, of attendees, there'd be some other really good musicians that pop out of the woodwork. I bet. Exactly. Maybe we could have a like a jam session. We'll find like the best musicians yeah, there at the. We go. But people would be like, the I remember Demondo Nick, jam, the Demondo sponsored uh, sports PR jam. Exactly. They'd be like, oh, that guy was cool because he just pulled out the jazz trumpet and started playing during the uh, networking lunch so people would uh, remember you and your product no I'm just kidding I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put you on the spot like that but I think that's really cool and I love your background and I, again I think that your company is gonna go far and uh, I love what you're doing and I think this is exactly what the digital universe is is looking for so congratulations on all your partnerships with people like Facebook and NASCAR and the Miami Dolphins and NBC Sports. I think you guys are, are doing great, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us this week on Sports Business Radio. Oh, Brian, thank you so much. You have a great podcast, and uh, you've had some awesome guests, so I'm honored to be on here among them.
Looking forward to seeing you in New York on May 22nd. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is brought to you by MKTG. MKTG is a leading global lifestyle and marketing agency with 33 offices in 19 countries, including sports centers of excellence in New York, Paris, Madrid, Melbourne, and Tokyo. MKTG specializes in delivering strategic business-oriented marketing solutions for leading brands via sport and entertainment marketing, live experiences, retail marketing, hospitality, B2B engagement, and sponsorship marketing. Visit the MKTG website at mktg.com and review their insightful findings as part of their Decoding 2.0 study. Decoding 2.0 solidifies the need for a shift in thinking when selecting and marketing sport and lifestyle sponsorships. This unique study arms brand marketers with the quantitative data they need to specifically target those consumers most open to brand messaging and sponsorship, as well as provides a specific roadmap that identifies those tactics likely to produce the most receptive fans. Until now, the sponsorship industry has focused more on fan passion and avidity to identify sponsorships and develop activation strategies. Decoding 2.0 reveals the need to also understand the importance of fan receptivity. Follow MKTG on Twitter at MKTG. We'll bring MKTG's expertise to life during future segments on Sports Business Radio, so stay tuned for those. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at MKTG. You can find them on Twitter at MKTG. Their website is mktg.com. They're a global lifestyle marketing agency, 33 offices in 19 countries, a leading sports sponsorship and activation agency. Make sure to check them out at mktg.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. He was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA Draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.